Radio. This is Catholics Read on cradio.org.au. Hello and welcome to this episode of Catholics Read. I'm Luke. And I'm Kiara. And I'm Victoria. And in this episode, we are going to be reading um, a short little little piece. Oh, not it's not short, really. It's... It's, it's a it's all relative. Book. Next to War and Peace, it is short. It is short. <laughs> Next to War and Peace, anything is short. <laughs> um, anyway, um, <laughs> it's it's somewhat short. Um, and so, yes, in this episode, we are going to be reading from Union Square to Rome, uh, which, ashamedly, you know, I've, sorry, I've got my headphones on, and I don't know why, because I've got nothing coming through them. Um, ashamedly, uh, in... I don't actually know what Union Square is. Union Square is in New York. Union Square is in New York. I think. Yeah. Geography. Yeah. Right here. It's in New York. Cool. There we go. Um, this is one where the listeners are going to come in and be like, "Actually, uh, Union." There's no, no. You're, you're probably right. Um, I, I'm pretty sure it is. Anyway, she was in New York at, at a point. Yes, she was. Um, yeah. So uh, it's written by Dorothy Day. Dorothy by Day. the way, that's the most important thing about this. Actually, is that it's written by Dorothy Day. Um, who was the founder or, or co-founder of the uh, Catholic Workers' Movement in the United States, which is now worldwide. Is yeah, a worldwide yeah, yeah, organization? yeah, absolutely. Worldwide organization was massive in the um, late, uh, sorry, mid to, mid to late 20th century, mm-hmm. uh, post-war period. It was essential. Um, it was one of those essential social organizations that fought for workers' rights and all sorts of other uh you know, and the working poor, effectively, mm, um, mm. massive, massive uh, movement. I mean, ask you, ask your, ask your grandparents about it because they would know. Okay. Ask your grandparents mm. about it. She had an amazing... Assuming your grandparents are Catholic. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think it would have gained a bit of traction all over the world. Oh no! It was it was it was massive. All that. my grandparents talk about the Catholic workers' movement. Oh, like there you, you go. know, they. That, I think my my nono was you know got involved with it at some point. It's in Australia. Yeah, it was in Australia. It was everywhere. Wonderful. It was everywhere. And apart from that, um, she had an amazing. She was a convert, so she was mm. not originally Catholic. Her, and in uh, fact, parents, the vast majority of this this book, she's not Catholic. It's it's her story. Uh, her, her journey towards. But she was writing it as a Catholic. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry, yeah, sorry, that's what I meant. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, so she, her parents were Episcopalians. I don't think they were... Non-practicing Episcopalians. They were, yeah. Well, um, they, they, they were very, mm. very loosely I knew, I knew that they were Christian, but I didn't... Yeah, I don't they were Episcopalian. The, okay. Yeah, and, so um, they didn't go to church on Sundays very yeah, much. They yeah. didn't say prayers And they didn't bring the children like up. No. Um, mm. They weren't baptized. So when she... Yeah, she wasn't baptized. That's very important. When she went... She got a scholarship to university in journalism... And um, <laughs> do you see why it's not getting anything now? No, 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 no. Sorry, sorry. No, I actually hadn't set the program to... No, what happened was I just showed Victoria the fact that my headphones weren't plugged into anything. Which is why he wasn't getting anything. <laughs> well, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. I wouldn't have been getting anything anyway, but that's just an amusing <laughs> added extra to that. Sorry, Victoria. And that's okay. She went to um, university on a scholarship to do journalism, and she got very much involved in uh, the rebellious sort of... Um, ethos of the time like promiscuity the workers and, the the radicals well the, oh, the sorry, radicals sorry. there was, yes, there was a whole bunch of things but, um yeah. there was the communist movement and those sort of things but also sort of like what you would term the college lifestyle as well mm. like pr- promiscuity and um 
those sort of things. And, um, you know, her, her, the beginning of her life was not what someone would call saintly um, in, in very... Well, most saints' lives terms. before their conversions well, aren't very saintly but either. That's very true, and that's that's the whole point. That's why she's so incredible because she had such beginnings. Um, and having said that, though, throughout the whole time she had such a compassion for the poor. Mm. Um, but she didn't distrusted religion, thought it was um, the opium of the opium of the mass. masses. She was very much a Marxist and very much a classic kind of communist of that era. Yeah, um, in a way, they were mm. radical underground. They were a radical underground movement that was just beginning to gain traction. They had support from. Oh, where are we? We're in like nineteen. We're in the early. We're this, in begin- this was before the fall of Imperial Russia. I think was that the right term? Oh, no, we're so we're sort of looking. Sorry, we're, sort, we're looking over the. So we're looking between. So her childhood and as she's growing up and as she starts working and she's in college yeah, so is prior to is, the, is, is during World the first War I. world war. Yeah, during the first uh, yeah. world war. So the what the red the red revolution was nineteen seventeen. So after that, there was very much you know the um, mm. communist Russia very much uh, started in, uh, funneling cash into communist parties and communist networks throughout the world mm. um, of which she goes on to to talk about how yeah yeah and she was, and she was to, a part, her friends she, going to the lenin institute an institution i never heard of before the lenin institute which yeah. was basically she would they would i think would go there and they would then be sent out um to try and create a, which what the ultimate goal of communism is is a global one state um communist situation which is the ideal within communism well yes yeah, um, i don't say that in the kind of like oh luke's i mean like no seriously that is economically the um the ideal situation uh, mm. under marxist economics yeah and so that was and so and dorothy day was it dorothy days was was a communist and mm. yeah, yeah so she, yeah it's, she, it's she, which, is, which is which actually. is which is fact dorothy day was a communist and but she sort of fell into disillusionment with it i think and then it's it's in, interesting. You know, was drawn to yeah. Catholicism as a result. Um, it's it's quite interesting her story. So you would we just like, do, being, do we, should we give people a quick thumbnail sketch? Yeah, I might I might sort of go through her her conversion because I think I I do want to talk about that a little bit because mm. it, it's quite interesting because it's not it's not as though she has this dramatic moment um, or or anything like it's that. Not a she doesn't bolt have out of the blue. she doesn't have a situation like say um, uh, Saint Ignatius of Loyola where he's injured uh, and he has to spend all this time in hospital. Or St. Francis, um, Francis of Assisi, where he's captured and he spends all this time in prison. Um, Although she did go to prison. She did go, go to prison. For 15 twice. days. For, yeah, for, very, for quite short periods of time, but nonetheless. But those weren't sort of... Her conversion was a very long process, and it seems like this is basically the point of her book, I think, or in part the point of her book, is to try and show that the seeds for her conversion had been sown in her childhood. Hmm. Um, she'd always had this awareness of God, um, but her she came into this kind of disillusionment of organised religion partially because of the people that she was reading uh, in her childhood and her teenage years and then in her college life, uh, in part because she didn't seem to see a lot of Christians who were committed to the gospel values in the sense of the commitment to the poor and also because although she valued the saints, historically the saints within Christianity, she couldn't understand why you had this situation where um, Christianity, in particular the Catholic Church, 
valued working with the poor, living with the poor and that kind of thing, living mm. a poor lifestyle, but weren't trying to make efforts to um, turn over the social order, which Prevented created... poverty in the first place. Or which caused, rather, poverty yeah. in the first place. Well, yeah, that's what I mentioned. Um, why, why, are we fi- why are we busy fixing the problem instead of preventing it? And that was sort of... That, that was, her, was question. Her, her question of why aren't we doing that? So her con- her conversion, like, although she's then fallen away, her conversion isn't... She doesn't have this rather large um, bad experience which causes her to question, question or anything like that. In fact, her conversion sort of just comes about from having good Christian people in her life that she sees are genuinely good mm. people and finding herself being more and more drawn to God... Um, when she escapes from, I guess she has a lot less contact with the uh, the radical world uh, and is able to appreciate the beautiful things in life, culminating with the birth um, of, of her child, Teresa. Mm. Um, and in that moment, that's really the big moment that really changes things for her. Um, she'd always had that desire there. It's not as though she was commit- a committed atheist and then she has the child and she completely changes. Um, like someone like Jennifer Fulwell. No, or she doesn't. Like she that. doesn't describe herself as an atheist anyway. She describes yeah. herself as agnostic. Um, and, and even even mm. when she was a communist, she's not organized religion is the opiate of the masses. But personal faith is a different category. Yeah, she sort of sees it as a tenant that she holds onto of communism because it's a tenant of communism. Yeah. Um, what what I find fascinating about this conversion story is how simple it is is that it doesn't... It means that we don't have to try and... Um, it's a very normal conversion story, if you will. It's it's quite interesting to see that for the vast majority of people, I think, conversion stories are not really large things. They're quite normal. Normal a weird word to use there. They're quite... Do you mean um, that they're organic? Simple. There's no, you know, there's, on the road organic, to Damascus sort of moment. They're very... No, no, they, there's not, they're they're very, it's not like they St. Paul or, as I said, yeah. St. Francis of Assisi... Um, Although or... St. Ignatius is not really all that dramatic, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, that's true. That's, yeah, that's yeah a good the point. circumstances that led up to it were a little bit but unusual. It's not, but, but it's not, and this is something that she really tries to point out is that if she had, and this is actually interesting how God works through this, is that if her conversion start would have started coming through a tragedy in her life, she probably would have rebelled against it because she would have thought exactly mm. the tenet of communism that it views religion as a kind of comforter. Yes, um, that keeps people subdued and does not allow them to become their fullest human beings. Yeah, her conversion comes through her happiest moment of her life, Mm. her happiest moments of her life when she's living out. And that's why she's at pains to say to her brother in this um, document, book, that, you know, she's... Yeah, she writes this for her brother. She writes this for her brother. She makes... I wish I could find where it is. She makes a point of saying um, this came about through joy, not... Not through um, disaster mm. or anything like that. Because he says that Catholicism is very morbid. And she keeps giving these examples of joy. It's really interesting. Yeah. It's I right think towards the end in the last chapter. It's Yeah, and so that's what, what I find very interesting about it. Because it shows that we don't need to... Um, of course, conversion does... For some people, conversion does come through those big dramatic... Yeah, yeah, sometimes it is but dramatic, think, but most of the time it's not. Most of the time it's not. Most of the time it's quite simple. And sometimes we try and... Why, why does God um, do this with some people and not others? And I think it's because God knows the way that he's going to, to reach people's hearts. And also that those dramatic conversions are not just for those people, but they're also for 
other people mm-hmm. um, for for others to see and go. This is how powerful our God is. Um, but for some people, it's not like that. That's no. that's not necessary. It's a little. It, it because I mean, it's very much in the spirit of the little way. I've had my, I've had my um, what is it moments where I felt very very uncomfortable with Saint Teresa of Lisieux, particularly because of the way people sentimentalize her. And the way yeah. that, and she, and I mean, I, I, I read the story, I read her autobiography, The Story of a Soul, and I nearly puked. Like it was, she, it's you very, know, she it's, has a very, she has a, a writing style that's quite, that, that lends itself very much it's to very, that, very it's, sweet. It, it's very, very sweet and pearls and pastels kind of feminine. And it was, to me, it was just, bleh, like, you know, it was just totally not a turn on for me at all. I mean, and, but having said that, she's not for everyone. I know she's done dramatic things in the lives of other people and, you know, she's, you know, and all that sort of stuff. But I did like, what I did appreciate about her was the little way. Mm. And the fact of the matter is, is that you don't, you know, the little things are the ones that matter because you don't, you know, you're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to do a great big thing if first you can't even do something as simple as, you know, sucking it up and taking the blame when it's, you know, taking the blame for a colleague screw up when it's not, when you, you know, even if it's not your fault, mm. if you can't do something as small as that, how are you supposed to do something big and dramatic? And yeah, that was, yeah. that's, that's, that's what I really liked about it. And that's Dorothy Day's story. That's very much Dorothy Day's story. And that's what really stuck out to me from the bit that I read. Um, and she's, yeah, she's a really fascinating character. And she had, such a, she had such a heart for the poor and it was her heart for the poor that brought her first to communism and then to Catholicism, um, which is a really, really interesting well, it journey. Well, was, it, was that it was that heart for the poor that led her into communism. Like, as yeah. you say, it's, it's fascinating that the very same thing and yet at the same time it's, like, it's quite interesting how you talk about the little way there because... It's not as that you would expect for someone who values so much. Like she's a, she's a writer. She writes for um, for socialist papers and that kind of thing. And you would expect her conversion to be one of she sat down one day and read, and she came to that conclusion. That's not what happened at all. No. Um, it's a very small. She was too smart. She was too smart journey. for that. This is the thing. She was too smart for that. Mm. Um, you know, yeah. it's she's not a you know the, she she's a very intelligent person. But somewhat, but you know, reading a book would not have flipped the switch. Would you know? There's no book in the world that would have flipped the switch for her at that particular point, moment in time, at that at that point in her life. It's one of those things where, for some people, it's a particular book that they read that flips the switch. For other people, it's an encounter with a particular person. And for Dorothy Day, that encounter was with the was with her child, and you know, the miracle of giving birth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that was probably the first time she'd seen suffering give fruit to this enormous sort. You know, this n- enormous little bundle of joy. Um, enormous little bundle of joy. That makes sense. Gokia. Little bundle of enormous joy. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> that's better. Good English. Good English. Um, yeah. So that's you know, the, this is this is one of the things that I that I really and. Dorothy Day's had a bit of an influence on my life and on my family's life as well. My grandparents have. You know, at one point or another, had a lot of. Have, I'm pretty sure my grandfather was involved with Catholic Workers' Movement, or maybe it was Young Catholics, Young Catholic Workers' Association, or something like that. It was one of those okay. one of those movements that were associated with Peter Maurin, who she then teamed up with to co-found a Catholic Workers' Unit. And I love Bishop Robert Barron's phrase when he describes these two people: is he calls them the dynamite of the church. Yeah, they're these people who come across this absolute goldmine in society, 
And for Dorothy Day and Peter Maurin, it was the workers in the factories. It was the, um, you know, it was all the little guys, mm. all the little men and women who were struggling to make en- ends meet. They were the, you know, and these guys were the were the spark that ignited that dynamite and produced and managed to produce this massive movement that brought about great social and spiritual change in American society. And made it the society that, it, and I would say, I would go as far as say, it made it the society that it is today, particularly in accepting the the accepting pluralistic society that the United States is now. Because in that era, there were a lot of lot of different ethnicities and nationalities clashing together in the United States. That, yeah. And she talks about, and she does talk about that. And um, and Catholic Workers Movement was one of the big things that bought those na- that bought those nationalities, whether you're Irish, Italian, or German, or you know Hungarian, whatever. If you were Catholic, the Catholic Workers Movement brought you together and helped you be an a- you know be a a a better person and be a agent for social change. Um, and you know it was the first kind of concrete expression of what we now call Catholic social teaching. Which was in it? Which was in it? Which was a growing? Th- which was ex- it? Was yeah? It yeah, was a concrete. Pope, exp- so it was Pope, a con- um, Pope Leo the Thirteenth. I guess is the birth of Catholic social teaching. He is, but he never explicitly century. names principles. Not in the structured way that we have now. Okay. We didn't have words like you know, we didn't have words like solidarity, subsidiarity, all that sort of stuff. He talks about those principles, but doesn't actually name them. Catholic Workers' Movement put a lot of those into action. And so it's actually interesting, especially the solidarity was- part. She talks about when um, there was, uh, in one of the newspapers that she was working for, there was an interview with a um, with a priest, um, and she said that she found, I sort of vaguely recall, she says that she found it quite interesting that this priest was quoting, like, that he was very on side with, with I guess, not, not the socialist movement as such, but a sympathy towards... Um, towards some of their their ideals I, I guess I don't which quite which it. which is funny because if you actually look at the whole spectrum of Catholic teaching you know Catholic teaching and how it you know and try and if you make the mistake of trying to fit it onto the political spectrum that we have now it is center left like yeah. ca- it is it is center left Catholics have no issue with un- things like universal health care social safety nets um, public hospitals and public education for all. We have no issues with things like that, which are te- you know, which are left, you know, left wing policies. But on you know, but at the same time, we also you know, Catholics are also very big on the family, also very you know, and the import the importance of the family as the found foundational institution of society. You break the family, you break society. Um, we're also, you know, there, you know, some. There are also plenty of other things, particularly around life, which is associated with the right now. Although it was originally associated with the left. Thanks, America, and you Republicans and Democrats, getting that all mixed up over the last fifty years and making it confusing for everyone. Um, yeah, because seriously, like you know, Democrats used to be Catholic. Very, very, you know, the Democratic Party mm-hmm. used to be the the party the uh, in the, the American well, Democratic Party that is used to be where all the Catholics would go because there were things they were pro-life and they were a similar a similar pattern here I mean it's not the Labour Party was founded by Catholics the Labour Party was the Catholic Party for a long time I particularly because the Labour Party was founded to protect the rights of mostly Catholic Irish workers who were being exploited Mm. by um you know bourgeois businessmen if you want to put it that way and nowadays the Catholic, the Labor Party in Australia is a rather interesting mix of different ideas. 
But yes. it all has its origins in the stuff that Dorothy Day did. And yeah. her yeah. She's done she's done a great um a great service and we'll see um I I really like her. I think she I think I think she is I think the time I think it's time that her her I think her course is up for canonization, isn't it? Oh, it's been it's been put it's forth. Been it's been put a, forth yeah. and accepted. So it's just a matter. Of, she's not venerable at this point. No, so it's currently still at the first stage. But she's servant of God, Dorothy um, Day. Yes, that's correct. She's servant of God, Dorothy Day. So I, uh, yeah, I, you know, it's it's past time. Yes. So um, I think I don't know, Victoria. Did you have anything to um, say? Number one, I think that she is a very. We need saints are always. She's not a saint yet, but she was definitely a very inspirational woman. And the inspirational and good people of our time are usually those that are most in contrast with whatever the society's um, lacking. So she was given an award um, and they said, thank you for comforting the afflicted and afflicting the comforted, um, which I think kind of, <laughs> oh, that's which brilliant. <laughs> I think sort of um, sums up who she was. But what struck me about her writing, apart from the fact that it was the style is is. It's very I've, personal. I've actually it's very not chatty. seen something like this before because she you can see that she is a a human being trying to see something that it's interesting that you put brought up Saint Teresa of Lisieux because this ties in directly with something I couldn't actually articulate when I was reading. But Saint Teresa of Lisieux, like, I don't know how she wrote what she wrote. Because it I feel like she must have been so afflicted with, you know, um grappling with humility and things like that when she was writing like this is true well, keep However, in mind the I... story of a soul was a journal it was <laughs> no, a personal journal not intended true. to be seen no didn't her sister pauline ask her to write it yeah possibly possibly um anyway the point is she would have been grappling with that however i'm not sure if you see well you do see it i'm sorry you should i should say that you see it however i saw it more personally in this maybe it's because of the way she was writing she would write something and then she would almost erratically, in the next paragraph, say something about how sinful she was. You could tell that she was trying to figure out how to express all the wonders God had done through her, through Without grace. Without being hyper-pious. Hyper yes. Pious. Read it, read keep it to mind. see this in action because it's quite an interesting thing to see, especially if um, you yourself are one day asked to uh, give a testimony or something because I think the way she goes about it is is quite interesting in the way a lot of us would would grapple with trying to discuss these matters and another thing that i loved about her was that she she was definitely in the world and she was dealing with people who didn't agree with her and all the ca- time case in point is her brother here who apparently like she seems whom to be, the book is addressed to by the whom way the book is addressed to who is a communist who has so many qualms about catholicism and many other things but she has two there are two quotes i'd like to read because they're really incredible and they both um highlight different things that she was passionate about. So there's one, There's this one is from chapter one, and it goes along the lines of this. What glorious hope Moriak writes, he's a famous writer, there are all those who will discover that their neighbour is Jesus himself, although they belong to the mass of those who do not know Christ or who have forgotten him. And nevertheless, they will find themselves well-loved. It is impossible for any one of those who has real charity in his heart not to serve Christ. Even some of those who think they hate him have consecrated their lives to him. For Jesus is disguised and masked in the midst of men, hidden among the poor, among the sick, among prisoners, among strangers. Many who serve him officially have never known who he was, and many who do not know his name will hear on the last day the words, open to them the gates of joy. And I think that was really 
that that to me struck me. I even highlighted it because it was so interesting. Um, the fact that she has noticed that there are these people who atheists are not evil. All right, some of them just might not have come into contact with the gospel yet. Um, but they are trying to serve truth, beauty, and goodness. A whole bunch of them are. They just don't know that it's that they're serving Christ yet. I think it's really important that she pointed this out. I think it was also important that she pointed out that some people who do officially serve him become corrupted or lose sight of the the goal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, you know, is a hello, welcome to humanity. Yeah. Um, I just think that was <laughs> very insightful. You can tell that she's really taken things home, taken her experiences home and pondered over them. And the second one was this. Um, she's talking to her brother now about how how she could possibly take on, um, you know, a creed of organized religion. And she turns it back on him. She says, you submit yourself to the dogma of communism. You accept the authority of Karl Marx and Lenin. You accept the philosophy of communism and know while you accept it that you're accepting, uh, in quotation marks, hard saying, that in all likelihood you will be persecuted for this acceptance. Perhaps the main trouble is that to you Christianity is too simple. To you, Christianity is the accepted thing, so you rebel. And knowing that your rebellion deprives your soul of life, you turn on religion and call it morbid. Mm. I just thought that was very interesting. Yeah, that was me once upon a time. I think it's us, you know, to a certain degree, it's all of us. But I just, I found that as someone who has lots of friends who are not Catholic, who are not Christian, I, I found her trying to enter into this dialogue with her brother and pointing out things like that very interesting because while some people might not take on the um the yoke of religion as, as some people might call it they do accept the authority of other things and other ideologies that are yeah. also hard uh, teachings i yeah. just i found that very interesting and i found and the sorry look go, no, 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 go on well just just to wrap up i just found the charitable way in which she enters into dialogue for it is dialogue um it's not a monologue um, very inspirational and something I will definitely take to prayer and try to uh, act out in my own life when, when discussing these with these sort of issues with friends who might not agree with me. Mm. It's, it's interesting that she points, she talks about how her... Um, she says that she understands how people who are not raised in religion, young people who are not raised in religion... And mind you, just to put this in a historical context, this is written in the late 1930s. So, so you just sort of have an idea of what she means by not raised in religion. It might not necessarily be the same thing as what we would say that means today. But a person who's not necessarily raised in religion is that communism appeals to the to the spirit of a of a young person. She talks about. Um, she doesn't say who. Winston it is. Churchill has a great saying. He says, "If you're a young man and not a socialist, you are heartless. If you're an old man and not a conservative, then you are brainless." And so she, that so she quotes something very very similar to that. She says she says that she doesn't say who the person is, but she just says another person said um, that that if you. Um, if you're not a radical or if you're not a communist, I forget which one it is, um, when you're 20, then you have no heart. If you uh, if you haven't thrown off communism by the time you're 30, then you have no brain. Yeah. Um, uh, that, that sounds more like Winston Churchill, to be honest. It, it may have been. I mean, given, this was 1938. Yes. So, oh, maybe. Uh, not, quite, I... not quite Winston Churchill's prime minister. Oh, no, but he was saying, he was saying lots of interesting things in Parliament. I was but nonetheless, um, yeah, I think, and her point in her saying that is that things like communism, 
when you look at their tenants, when you look at their tenants with, with things like that, you see, and this was what Victoria was just saying, is that it desires to get someone to to aim for a goal, which is quite uh, a high goal, um, whether it's a good goal or not is, is another question, but it's to aim for a high goal and to give your life potentially for it. Um, and this very much appeals to the 20-year-old. The and if they don't have religion, then this is the only thing that what they've had that's there? called them out of themselves to something To give themselves greater. to a higher purpose. The only problem is, is that it is giving yourself... To try and borrow from... Um, I, won't, I won't go into where I'm borrowing it from because it's, it's, it's an interesting image that will just possibly distract us. But um, to borrow from an image about something quite different... Um, that there's in one sense this kind of um, attempting to lose oneself in the group of people around them. So you lose yourself and simply become part of a large group of people. Or there's the sense of losing oneself and becoming um, going up towards the transcendent. Now, one can still do that with a group of people, but where does that journey end? With communism, that can only end with the group of people mm. um, because it denies anything transcendent. Um, but with religion, um, and in true religion, it truly does this within within Christianity and the Catholic Church, it ends in the person aiming towards God, aiming towards their human fulfillment in God, not their quasi-human fulfillment in creating a new world and creating a new order of such uh, in the world. But that desire to go out of oneself is still met. Mm. Um, and that's why I think it's very attractive. And I've just seen the time. Um, we should wrap up. Yeah, right. I mean, the only comment I'd like to close on is I think that Dorothy Day is someone we do need to reacquaint ourselves with, I think, in this, in this, in this era that we're living in, particularly because she was very radically aware of the communitarian nature of Catholicism and the fact that... It needed we to be live restored. in an age of very, very radical. Very, we live in an age of very, very radical individualism, and the mm. you know a very radical individualism and Catholicism. Whilst is not is is in the middle. It's not radically communitarian like communism is, but neither is it radically individualistic either. We eschew both those extreme positions and go for the middle ground, which is that we are a body of people. Mm. We are a body of human persons and. We are a body in in a person in Christ, and so you know Dorothy Day is particularly her particular voice now calls us to look you know calls us to like reclaim the communitarian aspect of our faith. We are a body in Christ, and as a body, we need to we need to be we need to be with one another and with those who are suffering, especially especially the ones who are suffering. Mm. Mm. So yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of Dorothy Day. Everyone should read. Everyone should read a bit of Dorothy Day. Get a bit of. Oh, I don't think I. I'm not going to really end with anything. I think I said everything I wanted to. However, I will apologise on behalf of the three of us that we're not reading the book we said we were going to read oh, yes. at the end of the yeah, other podcast. That, that was an epic fail on my part because <laughs> unfortunately it is published within copyright. So I have a I have a copy of it on order, and hopefully we'll do it in the next. One day. We will do it. We'll do it shortly. Anyway, that's all I wanted to say. Um, yes. Because it looked really interesting. I really wanted to read but it. But our backup plan was excellent. Our so backup I'm very plan happy. Our backup plan was... Awesome. I, I just kind of thought, like, oh, I wonder if Dorothy Day's written. 
The Luke Luke. knows nothing. <laughs> I Dorothy Daisy because I sort of was thinking about. Um, yeah, she was a journal. She, uh, I wonder if this oh, journalist has ever it. written anything. Stop it. Um, <laughs> the things Luke admits on air. Um, yeah. Um, what was I going to say? I think um, very much in light of um, of Pope Francis. Um, especially given that he spoke about Dorothy Day to the uh, the United States Joint Sitting of the Joint House Sitting um, of their government, um, I think sort of calls us on to to try, as Kiara said, to look at Dorothy Day and look at um, look at her life and look at because it very much speaks to I think or it, it reminds me rather of Pope Francis's continual saying is his. Is it the poverty of indifference, he says? Yeah. And I think that when he says that, what you were talking about then reminded me of that, Chiara, about this sense of the body, that we are part of the body of Christ. Uh, and that when one part, St. Paul says this, I think, does he? Yes, um, That he when does. one part is hurting, the others, it's not the as though one part... The others suffer as well. Yeah, it's not as though one part hurts in isolation. Um, and I think that that's something that we need to, that we need to rediscover, is that absolutely, we need to... That's the... Uh, Love. It, co- it all comes back to love, is that we have to love our, our neighbour and then we can't say, well, that's not my problem because it is your problem. Yeah, even um, if you don't might... like your neighbour, even if your neighbour drives you crazy, even if your neighbour your neighbor might be a complete jerk, but you still have to love him anyway. Absolutely. And you have, to, you have to go to him when he is suffering because that's your job. Absolutely. You've got one job in this life. Actually, as a side note, I really I need to put this in here. Story about Do- Dorothy Day. Um, she Ooh, yeah. stories. Okay, just in terms of what you just said... Yeah. Um, being there with the suffering neighbor, um, so she was. She had a, a common law marriage um, with someone called uh, Forster. I think I can't remember his last name, um, and that split up basically because she wanted um, to have her child baptized, and then to then she was baptized was, later on. It was split up because she was baptized. Yeah, in the end. and he was um, and he was an anarchist and and many other things. Uh, English botanist, I think, and he just <laughs> anyway. English Green botanist who's also. I think so. Yeah. I'm sorry about that. I got Green that Green biologist who is also an anarchist. Anyway, sorry. The, the point is that this man, um, you know, was out of her life, but he married again, and this woman, um, much later on, um, many years later, was very sick and was dying, and she wrote to Dorothy Day asking her to care for her. So Dorothy Day did. Wow. Mm. Wow. So Dorothy wow. Day came to her, her bedside and, and nursed her. That is amazing. Yep. Yeah. That's an excellent way to end the podcast, don't you think? Yes. That is. That is. Go okay. Dorothy Day. Well, yeah. yes, definitely um, look into Dorothy Day. Um, I think we our politics needs this right now. Yeah. Our it politics does. needs this it because does. especially the loving kindness part. You know, and the stop yelling at you know, stop yelling insults at each other. It's yeah, I I do think our pol- because both uh, here in Australia, Luke's just going to go on a minor political rant in the where where two uh, minutes go. <laughs> is that I think that we can't put our trust in we can't put our trust in the current parties um, that we have because they are running away from the Christian ideal. Um, and so I think that there does need to be a revival, and I think it's being a revival of Pope Leo the Thirteenth, a revival of Dorothy Day, and a real look into what um, Pope Francis is looking is looking at in Laudato Si, and that's not simply about, as we've talked about, um, environmentalism, but about this sense of 
rediscovering what it means to be human, rediscovering the purposes of and, things, and and our, and our bodiliness as you know, not just as a bo- not just as the hu- the human body of Christ, but also how that trans or also how that is connected to the world that we live in as well, mm. since it is also an embodied. Create it is also a, it is also an embodied expression of God's love and creativity, just as we are. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, and so I think yeah, that's just I don't know. I I don't think I don't think I'm a politician. I've got I think I've got other things. Actually, no, no, no. Actually, so I wasn't going to end it, but now that I'm thinking about this, I will actually talk about this. That on one <laughs> hand, sorry, <laughs> on one hand, we have the kind of the very public sense of the the political arm of what Dorothy Day was doing. And yet, at the same time, so you've got that political arm of what Dorothy's day, what Dorothy Day was doing. Yet, at the same time, I think in terms of evangelization, you're also looking at the very private—not mm. private's a weird word to probably not the individual, word to use, but that individual sense of the very simpleness of loving a person and showing them what a Catholic, what a person who who has encountered Christ and wants to love people like Christ looks like. Because I think very much today we need that. People have become have have become estranged from the church but i think that if we can if we can show love to people on a personal level whether it is actually through politics that love through there or love through a personal level um in evangelization i think is is the way forward for evangelization is one of the ways forward i think for evangelization in the church mm. um but of course it and is also just uh, revive the great social project that catholicism is like this catholic workers movement stuff was really exciting it was dynamic it was with. energetic we've got ton we've got a need for something like casual we've got a, a need for something like this which is about reviving the dignity of the human being in the economy mm. we need this message again because we've so so lost it in the way that you know I mean, you know, the unions don't, the unions have got, have gotten corrupted. A lot of them are terribly corrupt. Our political parties are fragmenting disastrously. A society is fragmenting. Not fragmenting in the right direction. No, they're, no, they're not. And um, we need to reclaim this communitarian embodied vision of love and humanity. And that's what we'll finish so, with. What are we doing next week? There. Politicians out there. Pay attention. Um, future future politicians, let's do this. Yeah. Okay. And we're praying for you. So what are we we're doing, doing next We're metamorphi- doing metamorphoses? Is that what we decided? We can't do all of them, but we might do something from there. Okay. Well, Victoria okay. That's your... Victoria, that is... Your pick. Oh, no, no. To you. Hmm. Your pick. Or it could just be something completely different. Oh, it's a su- big surprise. I was going to suggest Antigone. <laughs> I don't even know what that is, but let's go for it. Great place, Sophocles. I don't know how long it is, though. Actually, we'll, we'll have something. <laughs> we'll have something. It'll be something. Um, the ancient something. flavor. Ancient flavor. Okay. Ancient flavor <laughs> for your for your for your taste. Right. So join us <laughs> next time on right. uh, Catholics Read. Okay. Bye. 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 That was an episode of Catholics Read from Cradio.org.au.